Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to be closing out uh, inspired, but before that, I just got to tell you, this is an extraordinary group of people. You should believe it. You're an extraordinary group of people. In fact, I know for a fact that you moved heaven this morning. I was sitting right down there and I was listening to you guys. And at one part, one part at that very last song, Patrice and the team just kind of like backed off a little bit. And you guys kept singing. And I was listening, not singing so as not to mess it up. And I was listening to you all. And I, I, I got news for you. Jesus up in heaven was like, angel choir, shh, shh, listen, that's how you should do it, huh, yeah, I'm just saying amazing job, guys, you all, you guys are absolutely awesome, so thank you guys for being here today at the Church of Seven Run, thank you for worshiping with all of your hearts, and uh, just a couple of months ago, I was at the mall, I was at the mall, and uh, for the most part, it was a time of day when there wasn't a whole lot of people there, and I pulled up to this intersection, four-way stop. I pulled up to this intersection, and I I stopped, and I was having one of those moments where I was not 100% present while driving. Anybody ever have one of those, right? Your spouse has more of them than you do, right? Yeah? Yeah? I was having one of those moments where I was not present while driving, and I pulled up to this stop. I did stop. Yay. (laughs) I I pulled up to this stop sign, and then I just began to to, to move forward and and to to make my turn, when about that time, I looked up, and there was this young lady that was sitting in the car across from me at the other stop sign, and I heard this loud, yeah. That's what a horn sounds like in my head. I heard this loud uh, honk, and I I looked up, and I noticed all of a sudden, you know what? I think she was here before I was. I think she's the one that had the right-of-way. And while she was slamming on this horn, her face looked something like this. The best I could tell from the lip reading that I was doing, um, she was not wishing me the best things for the afterlife. And I kind of did one of those, I'm sorry, my fault, guys, have a great day. Uh, and, then I, and then I kept on moving. But as, as I was driving away from that little incident, I, I, I couldn't help but think to myself, man, she got really upset over a little tiny, like, stop sign thing. Like, that was a lot of energy packed in, that, in there. Uh, and then I, I started to think, John, like, how many times have you had that much energy? Packed into a moment like that. So much stress. So much anxiety. So much crazy up in the head. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there before? For those of you talking back to me, thank you. You've realized that this is a conversation. (laughs) The rest of you will catch on in just a little bit. But it works better when you talk back. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all had this crazy before because here's the truth. We live in a crazy world, don't we? 
I mean, that's just a little bit of the type of crazy that we live in in our culture. I mean, have you, have, I've seen literally, this is no joke, I've seen two near-death experiences in the last couple of months in the Starbucks drive through in the morning. I go in there sometimes to, 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 to write before I come here to campus and I'll be sitting there at my little chair and, and the drive-up window is right outside the window where I'm sitting there in my chair doing my writing and I'm telling you, I've watched people almost kill each other. I mean, honking and screaming. There was one dude got out of the car. I'm like, man, that's a little old lady you're going after. You need to calm down. But it wasn't that bad, but he really did get out of the car. Like seriously, Starbucks drive through there's that much crazy going on. And then when was the last time you went to a big box store? You know what I'm talking about? Nothing good happens in a big box store. So, it all started when daily we had this opportunity to be able to have just an experience with God. Just to walk and to talk with him and just to be with one another. Nothing more, nothing less, not a whole lot of crazy. Just walking and talking with God and being with one another. And then we decided it was time to reach for more. We wanted more. And so we, re- 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 we reached up and we took the fruit and we walked away from just having an experience of God. We walked away from this thing called Eden and we moved into crazy town. The world in which you and I currently live. That story where we walk away from God in, is in Genesis chapter 3. It doesn't take but one chapter. In Genesis chapter 4, the two brothers of the ones that walked away from God, one of them kills the next one. Why? Because he's jealous. He's jealous of the gift that his brother gave to God that God liked. I mean, it didn't take too long for us to go nuts, did it? And then story after story, chapter after chapter after that is nothing more than showing us just how crazy we are. The stuff that people were willing to do to each other, the stuff that people were were willing to to act upon one another. It was awful. So by the time we get to the Exodus chapter 20, God looks down at this mess that, that, that that has just gone completely out of control, all of this stress that we're living inside of. And he says, look, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you 10 little simple rules. I mean, for the most part, guys, I don't know why he felt like he needed to write them down on a concrete slab because when it's all said and done, they're pretty, they are pretty common sense. Like, don't kill each other. Right? Some of you are like, that's common sense, really? Yeah, like, don't kill each other. Hello? Don't steal stuff. Got it. Stick with your spouse, not somebody else's. There's a concept. Right? I mean, he gave us 10 simple rules. You'd have thought we could get it right after that. But then chapter after chapter after chapter is filled with more of our insanity. Because we weren't just willing to just have this Eden experience and walk and talk and be with God and one another. So it gets crazy insane. And then, and then what happens is God kind of looks down at all of that and he says, well, he makes a statement that I, I, I wish most leaders wouldn't make, but for God... For God, it it applies. He looks down at this whole thing and he says, sometimes if you want to do it right, you just got to go do it yourself. And so he comes down 
and he embodies us. And he walks and he talks and he is with us. And his message over and over again is, guys, you don't have to live like this. You know, all of these people that are in your society that you call lepers, that you keep sending out of the city, that you keep making them live all, all by themselves because, because you're scared that you might get their disease. I don't know, it's kind of crazy, but that sounds pretty applicable by today's news media, doesn't it? All of those people that you ostracize over there, guess what? I'm going to walk up in there and love them. I'm going to walk up in there and I'm going to heal them. You know... All of those people that are socioeconomically downcast, the ones that you look at and say, well, they're just not blessed by God. God probably just doesn't love them as much because he didn't give them as much. I mean, that was the, that was the thinking in society back then, and I'm not so sure it's changed a whole lot. Jesus shows up, and Jesus says, I'm going to love them. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to show you that, you that it's not all about this stuff over here. I'm going to take you back to the garden. I'm going to take you back to what it was like when you were just walking and talking with God, just experiencing him. I'm going to show you what this thing called love is. John 3, 16, we looked at it last week. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, not to look at the world and point out all of the, the all of their crazy, but rather to, so that the world through him might be saved. So what did we do to him for that? I mean, you would think we would be pretty appreciative, Right? I mean, one came along who wanted to show us the right way, who wanted to bring life back into its original important context. You think we'd, you think we'd celebrate that, don't you? But you know what we did? We killed him. That's what we did. Because that's what all of our crazy does. It attempts to kill out to destroy this thing called love. But you know what? Thankfully, death can't overcome the one who was crucified on the cross. Because death can't overcome the power of his love. And so he rose again. In order to give us hope, in order for us to be able to help with the death that happens oftentimes through car crashes or cancer or overdoses or homicides or heart attacks, because when it was all said and done, guess what? The power of love will overcome all of those things too, if we let it. I'm going to tell you the best news that you could possibly receive today. Some of you are in need of good news. Jesus loves you. That's why he rose from the dead. Jesus loves you. That's why he rose from the dead. And then after he rose again from the dead, he spent 40 days making sure that all of the people who had been following him, all of the people that had been listening to his teachings, he spent 40 days making sure that, that they knew that he was alive and well. Because with his physically resurrected body, he was sending them the message that the kingdom has come. You've heard me talking about it the whole time. You've heard me for three years speak about this thing called the kingdom that looks a whole lot like the garden originally did. You've heard me 
bringing that to you, I'm here to tell you that the kingdom has come. It is not something that you have to wait for the afterlife to enjoy. Like, did you hear that? Folks, you don't have to wait for the afterlife to begin to enjoy the kingdom of God. And so Jesus wants to make sure that they know it. He wants to make sure that they understand what it is that their responsibilities are going to be from this point on. That the kingdom has come, that it's here and now, and it's time to stop the madness. Because Jesus recognized there was only one way to stop the madness. And that was to invite more people into the kingdom. The more people that would decide to come and join the kingdom life, those, that would slowly but surely start to dull the madness. Now, I know that those of us that are in here today and we're enjoying kingdom life, not all the madness is gone, is it? Oh, I better hear some amens up in here. Not all the madness is gone, is it? But here's the thing. If you've been trying this kingdom life for any period of time, it's not as bad as it used to be, is it? Right? Because Jesus knew that it would be the way to be able to stop the madness. And so he got this ragtag group of followers together. And in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18, he gave them a final command. And here's what his command was. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. How much authority? How much authority? It helps if we're having a conversation. How much authority? He gave it all, not just a little bit of it. Jesus gave all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Invite people into the kingdom to become kingdom citizens of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. Teach these new kingdom citizens. To obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what was his greatest of all of his teachings? The things that he wanted to make sure that they were taught? Well, John 15, 17 tells us this. This is my command to love each other. How will you know that, that they are disciples? They will love each other. They won't go nuts in the Starbucks drive through They will not commit homicide on 495. They will love each other. That's how you will know it. That's the greatest command. That's what I want you to teach them. That's what kingdom life looks like. And can I just go ahead and tell you, and I don't mean this flippantly this morning. I mean this seriously with all the respect in the world. I am so thankful to God that they listened to this command. But they listened to him in Matthew chapter 28, this final command of go out there, invite people into kingdom life. Now, it cost them something. It wasn't easy. In the world in which they were living in that time, the political powers that be were not appreciating the idea of there being a separate kingdom from the one that they were ruling over. So it cost many of these early followers their lives. And throughout the ages, it's caught thousands, if not millions of them, their lives to come and to carry out that command. But you know what? They did it. And by the, by the time that we get to the early book of Acts, guess what is happening? We've got thousands of people that have now entered into the kingdom life. And more people begin to invite more people into kingdom life. And generation after generation kept inviting people to kingdom life. And as a result, you and I get the opportunity and the benefit of sitting here this morning. 
If they had not taken that command seriously, then we wouldn't be here. It would have only taken one generation to sit back and say, ah, no. It would have only taken one, but every generation since then has taken the command seriously to go and to invite people in the kingdom life. And again, I'm thankful that they did because now we don't have to be that stressed out girl at the mall. We don't have to be that person in the Starbucks drive-thru. We don't have to live that way anymore. I know life is tough, and I know it throws a lot of stuff at us, and I know it makes it difficult, but we've been shown a different way. You know what? As a result of them carrying out that command, I don't have to continue to live in my alcoholism, which means that my family doesn't have to continue to live in my alcoholism, which means that I don't have to die a miserable and lonely death. And you know what else it means? It means that you have been freed also from whatever it is that you've been enslaved from too because you've got a story also, don't you? You've got stuff that's held you down and held you back and had you captive and you've been set free of that too because somebody, somebody invited you into kingdom life. So I am thankful that somebody did it because they did it we get to experience the garden again. But now, dare I say, it's our turn. Do you hear me, church? I think it's our turn to pay it forward, don't you? In fact, I don't know if you've recognized it or not, but there's a whole lot of things that are going on at the Church of Seven Run all the time. And it is so easy at times, it is so easy at times to sometimes forget why we are here. I mean, some of us, we're here because we want to be encouraged, and that's a wonderful thing. Some of us are here because we like the social network, and that's a wonderful thing. You know, some of us are here because we've got a, a particular need that the church is helping us out with, and guess what? That is a, that's a beautiful thing. There's all kinds of reasons for us to be here, but there's one reason why we have collectively come together to be. And sometimes with all the other stuff that's going on, we forget what that is. I want to help us remember today. In fact, it's right here. You'll see it in print around here all the time. The mission of the church at Severn Run is to make as many disciples as possible. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like the final command of Jesus to his, to his disciples? The reason why we exist is to make as many disciples as possible by creatively revealing the love of the Father through the life of the Son in the power of the Spirit. It's the reason why we do what we do. All we're trying to do here is to continue to carry out the commands of Jesus. Because this is a crazy world. And if we don't step up to the plate and look at the world and say that there's a different way, you don't have to live like that anymore, then what hope do they have? What chance of sanity actually exists? So here's the big question. How do you think we're doing? I mean, how are we doing? As many disciples as possible. I mean, we've got like millions of people that live right here in this region within driving distance to the church at Severn Run. Do you realize that? 
So it's easy sometimes to come in here and look and say, man, this is a big church. But as compared to the size of our region, how are we doing? As many disciples as we can possibly make. I've had the opportunity now to be with the church that's ever run for seven years. Seven of the most amazing years of my life, I got to tell you. Thank you, guys. The, um, I didn't, didn't tell you that for that. Uh, but, uh, but seven years, and when we arrived here back in 2013, our average attendance, we had just gone through one of the more difficult times in the history of the church of Severn Run, and our average attendance at that point was around 864. You like how I said around 864 and then gave you an exact number? I'm the executive pastor. Uh, Here's the whole thing. We were running 864 people on average. By the, through that, uh, we, we said, you know what? We're going to take this mission statement seriously. And so we began to do a lot of fun things. Food and Fun Fest. How many of you were around for Food and Fun Fest? You remember that? Yeah, that was a good time. That was a good time. We had a whole lot of people that were on our campus, invited people from all around the region to be here. And, and then we began a series of invite events in which we just got out there and we said, come on, come on, come on. And over the course of the next couple of years, we watched some really tremendous growth take place at the Church of Severn Run, where we were able to go from, from 864 to 2016 when we were running 1,350 in average attendance. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely amazing time. And then a couple of things kind of happened because things happen in the life of a church and things happen in the life of, of your culture. And at that time, um, there was a whole lot of really serious racial stuff that began to hit the national media. And it needed to. It needed to expose the hate. And that hate got exposed. And you know what? I am so thankful for my pastor who with incredible courage engaged that and said, that hate ain't going to be around the church of Severn Rhine. We're going to stand in the gap because we want to look like the kingdom of God. We want to represent the kingdom with every tribe and color and race. And can I just be honest with you? Some of those 1,350 people didn't like that. They didn't. And I'm okay that they're gone. (laughs) It wasn't a lot, but it was a few. Something else really interesting happened at that period of time too. At that period of time, our church began to make this dramatic, dynamic shift in which we said, we don't just want to be a church where you can come on Sunday morning and maybe enjoy a good show, but we want to be a church that is actually being the hands and the feet of Jesus in the community. We want to get out of the seat and we want to do something. We wanted to act like Jesus act. He went to the lepers. He went to the sick. We're going to go to the sick. He went to the socioeconomic downcast. We're going to go there too. We're going to go wherever there's a need. And that began, the, that began to be the trumpet call week after week after week. And if you were sitting here at that time and you didn't want to do anything, it wasn't feeling very comfortable. And so guess what? Those people left too. And what I love is now, seriously, I get to come to a church week after week after week where I'm looking at a crowd who has engaged the ministry of Jesus. Yeah, give yourselves a hand, seriously. You have engaged the ministries of Jesus. We're a different church. 
And strategically, we worked hard over the course of the past few years to look and say, hey, how are we going to make as many disciples as possible? Well, we've got to have an amazing kids ministry. We've got to have an amazing student ministry. We've got to continue to be out there in terms of holistic missions. And then we've got to connect with each other, connect with each other, and connect with each other. And we have, poured, we have poured tons of time and energy and resources into those things. Our strategy is paying off. But now it's time, church. It is time for us to get collectively inspired. It is time to get back out there and invite, invite, and invite. Did you hear me? We've got a whole lot to offer. When I look at, our, when I look at this particular campus, here's what, I, here's what I look around. We would never even have to build another auditorium or do anything else. We could, we're currently, as a church, we're running about 1,100 in average attendance. As we look around this facility, we could comfortably run on a weekend 2,000 in attendance. That would be 900 more people invited into kingdom life. I mean, look around. Do you see empty chairs? We're not done yet then, are we? We're not finished. Imagine inviting 900 more people into kingdom life. Imagine what 2,000 people in our region would look like who were offering our region the fruit of the garden, not the bad one. The Galatians chapter 5 fruit, the fruits of the Spirit. What does it look like if 2,000 people in our region are, are walking around on a daily basis and they're saying, here, have some love. Here, you, you look like you need some joy. How about you? Here's some peace. Here's some kindness. Here's some goodness. Here's some gentleness. Here's some faith. And for all of you who have to fight through a Walmart crowd, here is some self-control. Imagine what 2,000 people look like who've passing out fruit all the time, folks. Don't you think our region would be radically changed? I would imagine if there was 2,000 of us living kingdom life that were passing out the fruit of God on a regular basis, that we'd see a whole lot fewer people standing on the side of a road with a sign saying, please help me. Don't you? I would imagine that if there was a bunch of us that were passing out the fruit that God has given to us inside of this kingdom, if we were sharing that fruit, that this sign that I drive by, this police precinct right down here, every day coming to work, this sign that sits out there, and it tells you how many people have already overdosed this year. And then right below that, it tells you how many people have died as a result of that overdose. It's at every police precinct from what I understand. Here's what I'll tell you. 2,000 people offering love and joy and peace and the fruits of the Spirit in our region. Guess what? I'd be okay if the police could save on that part of their budget and they could take that sign down. Wouldn't you? What would it look like? I got in the car with my son the other day and we were, he was done with basketball practice at a local high school and we were driving home and he said, Daddy, he goes, I don't understand what's going on. He goes, there's just a lot more fights that are going on. I had somebody that is a part of that high school afterwards say, hey, listen, there's, you know, there, there's been 10 this year, so it's not quite as bad as some of the students think. And I, and, and I was like, man, good, I'm glad, but 10's still too many, right? 
Imagine if we were passing out, if we were sharing love and joy and peace, maybe every high school would not have to have police resource officers there, not just to protect students from the outside world, but to protect students from each other. Imagine in our region if there was 2,000 of us that were doing that. Imagine how things could change. Anxiety, depression, broken hearts, gone. Because we chose to live the kingdom life. Things could be different. Church, I say let's find out. What do you say? Yeah. I say let's find out. Let's start this Easter. Here's what I promise you. We won't stop at Easter. We're going to keep on going. We've got June the 14th. We've got the family reunion. That's friends and family for those of you trying to figure it out. We got the family reunion. We're going to invite everybody, friends and family here on June the 14th. We're going to turn around at the very start of the school year and we're going to invite our entire military community out to celebrate with us so we can celebrate what they do for us too. Then we're going to turn around, we're going to do it all again at Christmas. But then every Sunday in between, we're going to invite, 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 because I'm tired of being honked at at intersections. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready to feel the love. How about you guys? Yeah. And the only way that that is going to happen is if we invite people into the kingdom. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.